Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is a returning guest, Gabriella Alziati, who is a development coach. She helps you improve your self-awareness, develop your leadership ability, and channel your energy towards a greater purpose. She'll work with you so that you can learn to trust your intuition and maximize your impact on life. If you're someone who wants to work on your personal development, goal setting, energy management, she is the person. She studied at in or at in London at the London School of Economics in organizational behavior. Welcome to the podcast, Gabriella Alziati. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here again. Again, I know last time we had you here was July 2020. Go back and check out that episode. It was wonderful. And at the time, we were talking about your book on poetry and healing. And we we got into some other really cool topics. We were talking about um, finding your purpose, financial freedom. We did a tarot card reading. We did empathy exercises. And we talked about what to do if you feel overwhelmed or depleted. What has changed since July 2020 for you? I feel like July 2020 was a different lifetime, Leo. So much has changed. I was living in D.C. at that time. I moved to San Diego. I have a beautiful community here in San Diego, and I do channeling now. So not only tarot card reading, but I communicate directly with spirit guides, and I bring that into my coaching And personally, a lot has changed for me. You know, after that episode, I went through a lot of personal healing and transformation. And I think that's normal as a coach. You want to keep growing. So I did a lot of inner child healing, revisiting, you know, where my beliefs really stem from. And now, at this current moment in time, I feel so much more integrated and self-aware and so much more able to just release all of the programming that I was brought up with and just live a more authentic life. And that's beautiful because that's now what I'm coaching a lot of my clients on. So, so much has changed. Well, let's start with the inner child healing Um, because Mm -hmm. there are so many aspects to ourselves. You know, when I was a kid, there was always this idea of like, what are you going to be when you grow up? Who are you going to be when you grow up? And it it kind of denoted that growing up meant that like you lost this inner child part of you. Mm-hmm. that um, or, or that being a child was something to leave or escape or leave behind or that it was kind of bad in some way. Now that I think about it, it was kind of a, a negative association is like, oh, you got to grow up. And it's like, oh, so where I'm at now is not a good place is what you're telling me. Um, Mm -hmm. So for you, when you say inner child healing, can you describe more for us what that means and what that looks like? Yeah. So from when we're in the womb to seven years old, we're completely open. We actually don't have the ability to not accept something that we're being taught. And so that is our baseline programming. And so if you're taught something like you should have money scarcity or you should be extremely avoidant in relationships, all of that is going in and you really have no filter 
to get that out. And so with inner child healing, what we aim to do is we go back to the root cause of where all of these beliefs came from. And it's very interesting because we can do this with not just behavioral work, but also with like energy work and spiritual work. So we can actually revisit certain memories. And so I had to do this a lot for myself, even in order to do my business full time, because I had a lot of fear I was holding on to about making that leap from the corporate world to doing my own full time business. And interestingly, a lot of it is rooted in childhood. So, you know, you bring up a good point, because I feel like for a lot of people, especially my listeners, there's this programming of I don't belong. I'm a burden. And even for myself, you know, part of my story was, you know, at the age of nine, I told my mom that I was going to end my life at 40. And it was because I felt like a burden. And Mm. I clearly must have received that message on some level or interpreted it or perceived that message on some level, you know, between the ages of zero and seven, according to you, where I felt Mm -hmm. like a burden. And also felt like I, I didn't belong for different reasons because, you know, I was like I'm half American, half immigrant, um, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So when you talk about healing and then you said you moved from healing to integrating, what does that look like? What does it look like to integrate that that childhood version of yourself or the programming that you have? Mm, that is such a good question. And uh, What I think it comes down to is first you gain this awareness of where the root cause is. So that's the first thing. Now we're more aware. So that's good because if we can at least be aware of the problem or the issue, we have more information. Therefore, we can do the work. So that's the first step in integrating. The second step, though, especially with inner child healing, is allowing yourself to change it energetically. So if as a child you were taught something, As an adult, now you can go back and you can say, you know what? I don't accept what I was taught. That doesn't resonate with me. I actually want to change myself. And at this time, we can make it more fun. We can bring in lightness. We can bring in play. For example, if as a kid you were told, oh, don't be creative. That's not going to make you money. Well, now is a good time to start being creative. And so with integration, we work on both an energetic level and a behavioral level. But we really want to focus first on awareness and then second on what are the small things that we can change in our day-to-day life. It doesn't have to be big, but those small changes really make you a new person. And I know that because I do it with every single one of my clients and that's what I had to do for myself. And I feel so much lighter than I used to, even in my body. So it's pretty cool what this type of work can do. You said behavioral changes. What did that look like for you? Mm, Yes, good question. For me, it was really getting out of people pleasing. Because as a child, we're taught to just say yes to authority figures or our parents or jobs. We don't really question so much. We do what we're taught to. And for me, it was just having a gut check. Like, does this really resonate with me? Is this something I really want to do? Am I saying yes because I want to please the other person? Or am I saying yes because this is something that actually lights me up and fills my soul with joy? And so I started to make my decisions much differently, not so much from the logical brain, which is a lot of programming, but more so from my own intuition and energy. And this is something that I like to teach people. 
because a lot of our problems are actually rooted in our desire to people please. Yeah, you talk about listening to the gut, and, and it's interesting because I recognize that the challenge for me with listening to my gut is I have so much in there. I got donuts, cake, Oreos, <laughs> sandwiches. <laughs> like I, I my 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 mm-hmm. gut is is telling me is gassy, bloated. How does mm. th- does that interfere with the messaging from the gut? And how do we get that clear message? How do we you know, how do we tap mm-hmm. into that? Well, everything is energy, Leo. <laughs> everything is energy. So if your gut is feeling bloated, that just means there's a blockage, right? You feel kind of stuck. You feel kind of swollen. That's okay. We don't judge it. We just notice it first. And then that could be a good time to just invite in a new way of being. Maybe it's changing your diet so that you can feel more in tune with your gut or activating a different part of your chakra, like uh, your heart chakra might be easier for you personally to tap into than your gut. Usually with intuition, our heart and our gut are the two that tell us how we really feel about something. And then the mind, which is the crown chakra, is usually more so our ego, our programming that was given to us at a young age. So we get to do some interesting work and we kind of explore person by person, where do you get your intuitive messages? And a lot of it is just learning to quiet the ego mind, which can be very damaging. So let's, let's talk about that. Well, let's, there's two things I want to unpack. You said for me, it's tapping into my heart versus my stomach. How do I tap into the heart chakra? Mm -hmm. So start paying attention to how you feel. For example, when you meet somebody new, sometimes you have an instant closing, like, oh my gosh, you know, something about this person makes me feel weird. Your heart might kind of get tight or the opposite. Your heart feels really open. They just have such a positive energy. This is your intuition. It's your inner guidance. And so the first thing we want to do is notice And this is the same for opportunities as well. So this is more usually with your gut, but let's say you're looking for a house and you get outside the house and you feel, oh my gosh, this feels light, has a good energy. You know, that's telling you that's a good house for you. Whereas if you have this drop in your stomach, it's like, no, 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 that's not aligned. So we just want to pay attention to the inner sensations and feelings that usually we tune out because our ego is a little too loud. Yeah. So you mentioned quieting the ego. How do we quiet the ego? Yes, this is the hardest thing to do in life. So the ego likes to tell us that we're not worthy. And I'll give you an example first before I answer the question. So let's say you get promoted. Even though this is very positive, your ego might say, I'm not worthy. I can't do this. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to fail. And so the ego is always like our projections. And so the first thing we want to do is just notice that it's the ego talking. It's not necessarily the intuition. Just the act of noticing is already helpful because we're able to label it and say, okay, ego, I hear you. I label it as the ego, and now I'm going to try and put it to the side. So you have your ego. You also have your brain. Your brain is like a computer. There's nothing inherently good or bad with it. So you give it a task. 
it gets a result. You want to do a math problem, it gets you a result. It's not like attached to emotion. So uh, we want to try and shift out of the ego and more, more so into our brain or our intuition. Oh, that's interesting. So we get out the ego, we get into our, get out of our brain, we get into our, our intuition. Um, and mm -hmm. we, you know, we are connecting with our gut or with our heart, um, with yeah. our, with our, well, you know, so when people say mind, body, and soul, is the mind, is that different than the ego? Is that different than the brain? Or is that, is that the same one and the same? So for me, in my personal opinion, it's more the brain. And the reason is because with the mind, how it works for us positively is if we can program our mind to believe positive things about ourselves and about our life. And so what we're really doing is we're working on both a conscious level and a subconscious level. So we say those affirmations, right? Like, I'm abundant, I'm wealthy, I'm successful, I'm healthy. The reason we do that is we're trying to imprint something and we're trying to rehearse in a way and what we're doing is we're actually changing the programming that we had from a young age so this is working really on the brain but over time this is actually a very good way to make the ego quieter as well because it will become your new programming or your new reality it takes a lot of consistency though I, you know i i do the self-talk and i'm i'm strong i'm powerful and mm -hmm. There's some research and some people say that the challenge with that is if you don't believe it, then you will feel that you'll feel that you don't believe what you're saying. And mm -hmm. that in turn could be causing more damage. What's your response to that? I personally don't think it causes more damage, but I totally get that you might not feel it. And let's just be honest. Using affirmations alone is not going to heal everything. If you're in a really hard place in life and you're just saying, I'm loving, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, it's like a Band-Aid. It's not going to be everything. So that's why I think affirmations are a part of it, because what you're doing is you're making something tangible and conscious. You're trying to make it come alive for you. And I think there's a lot of positivity in that alone, but it's not one size fits all and it's not a solution for everything so that's why i'm very passionate about coaching and bringing in the other parts of the energy work where we actually go to the things that are hard and damaging like when we were a child those memories those things that imprinted we need to really go deep in order to release that programming in the first place yeah it's interesting when i do the affirmations um in the beginning I'm kind of like half-heartedly doing them. Sometimes, sometimes I, I just naturally feel it. It really depends mm -hmm. on context where mm -hmm. like if I'm in a, a a loving, safe, nurturing space, the positive affirmations will just manifest themselves versus yes. other times where, you know, I'm trying to encourage, nudge, or, you know, even force myself into, uh, you know, doing something. But what I'll find is if I keep repeating it, after a while, I'll start to feel it. Like yes. I won't feel it in the beginning, but it's almost like uh, practicing the guitar. Like mm -hmm. I, there are mornings where I'm just like, I don't want to practice this thing. But after I play a song or two, all of a sudden, now I don't want to stop playing. 
Now, yes. some, that's not every morning. Some mornings I'm like, all right, that's enough. But there, but mo- more mornings than not, I'm so glad I picked it up. And now I have the vibration, the frequency, the energy. And I'm like, all right, let's do, let's do another one. Let's play another one. I want to keep going. But, you know, time constraints. Um, yeah. Have you found that also where, you yes. know, in the beginning, you're just like uh, saying it and then yes. it, all of a sudden you feel it? Mm-hmm. Totally. And I love how you brought up vibration because actually music is a good way to think about energy generally. So the reason we say affirmations out loud is because our voice has an energetic vibration. And so if we can say it out loud, it's in our own frequency and that makes it more powerful just energetically speaking. It also makes you believe it more because if you're constantly saying it out loud, naturally over time, you're going to believe what you're speaking. But definitely, I think that usually we resist being in flow and it's because our ego is very loud. And it's the same as how we resist going to the gym or we resist doing a yoga class. The hardest part is getting there Once you're there, once you're doing it, you're like, oh, I actually quite enjoy this. It's the same with meditation, right? So it totally makes sense. Usually we resist what's really good for us. But if we can truly make it a habit, and again, it can be 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day to start, this changes our life over time. Yeah, it's it's quite remarkable how adaptive we are and how quickly we can start to like something that we didn't like. I mean, this is a horrible example, but I even think about alcohol. Most people do not like the taste of alcohol when they first try it. But over time, Mm -hmm. they acquire a taste for, uh, you know, whatever that means. But uh, and Mm -hmm. so it's the same thing with everything else, whether it's working out, even cold showers. I did not like cold showers in the beginning. And then I found myself craving cold showers in the morning. I wake up and I'm like, oh, I get to take a cold shower today. Where before I was like, oh, I got to take a cold shower today. You know, so it's, yeah. it's remarkable how quickly we adapt. It's so interesting. And everything is a decision. I always say the universe relies on the power of choice. Like you really have a lot of control in your life, but we're always choosing either something that's based on love or something that's based on fear. There are really only two energies at the heart of it. And so when we choose things like, meditation or playing guitar that's coming from a place of love ultimately but it's our fear it's our fear you know programming that stops us from wanting to do it in the first place oh god you know what if i'm wasting my time what if i should be making money what if i should be answering my email all of that is fear really that's the ego and so love is more the intuition is there no room for fear like does this fear service in any kind of way or is fear this thing that Uh, we should always be doing the opposite of? No, fear is helpful because it shows us our shadow and it shows us what we need to work through. Past that, you know, it's not super helpful. I think that fear is beautiful for awareness in the same way that anger is actually really beautiful for awareness because it teaches you about your boundaries. You know, you really only get angry if someone's crossed a boundary that maybe you didn't know that you have. And so fear and emotions like anger, they can actually show us a lot about things we're just not consciously aware of. And once it's risen to the surface, we get to look at it. And that's what makes it fun. So there's a time and place for it, but we don't want to stay trapped in fear. Right. We don't want to live in the shadows is basically what you're saying. Like that, it's a dark place and it's not fun. And 
you really yeah. can't get your bearings of like what's what's your north right if you're in the darkness uh you mm-hmm. don't know which way is up i think about batman for some reason being in the shadows mm-hmm. and um but he has to come out into the light in order to protect and fight um yeah well, you can't see in the shadows, right? You right. can't really oh, see. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. You can't see which way to go. It's so true. The yeah. You know, uh, dig. I want to dig a little bit deeper into this idea of fear and fear being um, our shadows. Can, can you say more about that? Because I hadn't really thought about fear being our shadow side. And mm. the, and when you say shadow side, for those who really aren't familiar with shadow work, I'm thinking about Carl Jung. Can you say yeah. more about that? Yeah. Well, shadow work is a term that they use a lot in the spiritual community. But basically, it just means looking at the parts of yourself that maybe you're not so proud of, or maybe you're not very conscious of. These are the parts that we tend to hide, we tend to suppress, and even energetically, we push them down. So you can even think of it as like all of those repressed emotions, memories, traumas even that are not very comfortable to look at. And so our shadow is basically just whatever we're not comfortable with. And over time, the longer that we wait to look at it, the bigger it gets. And I think of the shadows as it's like being in a dark room. There's all this stuff in the room, but you can't really see it because there's no light. And so once we start to just bring some awareness, whether it be, okay, how am I really feeling about this? And we go 10 levels deeper. Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel this way? It's almost like we're shining a flashlight in this dark room. And then we can finally start to see what's there. And of course, eventually we have a spotlight on the dark room. We can see everything. And there's a lot of stuff here to work through, but that empowers us. Because then it's no longer like you're living in a secret. You now know what it is that's within you. And so I think that shadow work, to use that term, is very empowering because it's really giving yourself permission to let go of the fear, but you have to be willing to look at it. I absolutely love that. And I love it because you mentioned that energetically this is what i I thought was interesting you said energetically when we fear something we kind of push it down right yes and so when i think about when people say i feel so exhausted i could imagine they feel exhausted from energetically pushing down parts of themselves Mm -hmm. that they aren't proud of that they're ashamed of and what I thought mm-hmm. was interesting too is because I know you mentioned like uh you know traumas, fears, and, and the like, but also realized that for some people, they may they may be pushing down their joy and their excitement mm-hmm. because sometimes yeah. you're in a relationship with someone who like mm-hmm. they, they you you're afraid to show joy or happiness or laughter around or display laughter around them because that person's so controlling they want to be uh if they're not a part of it they think that you know something else is going on or um you might feel like you're laughing at something inappropriate to the group mm-hmm. i've seen that in movies sometimes i know like mm-hmm. i'll be watching something in the at the movie theater 
and it'll be something that's funny to me, but I'm aware that probably to everybody else, it's kind of touchy. So I suppress that part of myself. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you said you were just going to say that. Uh, What else did you want to add to that? Yeah. Well, I think we also push down our most authentic self. And this again comes from fear because really it's fear of retribution. Like if I show my most authentic self, what if the people around me don't like it? What if I don't belong or I don't fit in or I get judged? So again, the root is fear, but nobody is happy when they're not living an authentic life. It just, it's horrible. It's a horrible feeling. We've all been there. We all know what it's like. And if we leave this unchecked, it can it can end up controlling our whole life. It can be like 12 years later, you're working a job you hate and you're never happy. So we kind of want to be mindful and watch those little moments where we're pushing things down, like not laughing in a movie theater, because if we don't become aware of them over time, it creates the bigger moments where we push our whole self down and we don't even know who we are anymore. And and I would imagine that's when people feel like they're drowning or Mm. underwater, right? It's like you keep yourself down for so long where now you can't even breathe and you feel like you're suffocating. Wow, that's yeah. that's that's very powerful. Um, yeah. and then you you talked about you said nobody is happy if we're not being authentic. Um, mm-hmm. that word authentic, it, it's kind of it reminds me of when people say, you know, just be you, just be yourself. But I can imagine some people saying, when I've been authentic or I've just been me, there has been retribution. There has been yeah. consequences. You know, my father hit me. My mom yelled mm-hmm. at me. Um, mm-hmm. I was bullied in school for being authentic. How do we respond to that? Yeah, it's hard. It's it's honestly very hard. And again, that's why we go back to the childhood, because usually it's rooted there. And the first thing is just telling ourselves that we have to make a decision to choose to be empowered. And again, this is not like something that is going to happen overnight, but we really tried to just make the decision. Okay, there was a part of me that was giving my own personal power away to this person, especially when we're a child, we have no choice, it happens naturally. But once we pass the age of seven, we do have a choice of what we let in, and what becomes our programming. And so the older we get, The more tools we have, the more resources, the more choice we have in life about where we work, our communities, our families. And we try not to blame the circumstances. We just try to understand, okay, what is it that this was trying to teach me? And this is an incredibly hard thing to do, especially if it's a very sensitive situation. And I would definitely want to acknowledge that, you know, it's not easy work whatsoever, But we do want to just try and tell ourselves, this is my time to have my personal power. It's starting right now, this second. It doesn't matter who I was one second ago, 30 seconds ago, one year ago. Who I am right now in this moment can be a new person. And I usually like to describe this with energy because energy is always changing. And so it's not super helpful to think of yourself as like, I am Gabriella and I do X, Y, Z because we give ourselves an identity, but we really get to choose the identity we give ourselves. So if we can see it that way, we can start to do the real work. You know, 
but like I said earlier, our last recording was in July 2020. And we talked about like what's changed for you work-wise. What's been your biggest challenge since our last recording in 2020? Oh my goodness. Where to start? (laughs) You know, I think my biggest challenge has been that I changed the structure of my life because I went from working corporate to doing my own company. And I had a lot of financial scarcity mindset, which again was rooted in childhood. But it was that instability, right? Of like, I used to get a paycheck on these dates and it was the same amount every time. And now my work is a complete flow. And it's hilarious because I am so much more authentic. I'm so much happier, so much more joyful and so much more in my purpose. And yet still the ego wants to seek all of these little reasons and things that kind of bring you back to that scarcity. And so for me personally, that's been a huge one. That's probably the biggest one that's been present even in the last couple of months, to be honest. And then other than that, I would say that I I had a lot of difficult relationships. I had one in particular, which was very hard for me, a romantic relationship. And it's very interesting because now looking back, I see that this was just a lesson for me to learn to truly love myself and not seek things in another partner that really I needed to seek within. But this was incredibly hard in the moment. And it took me like, I would say two years to truly heal and truly feel like I'm integrated and I'm proud of who I am. And now the beautiful thing, Leo, is I've, uh, I feel this detachment and I'm saying it in a positive way where it's like, I don't need anyone else. You know, I love my community. I love my friends. I love my family. I love the people I get to experience life with, but I have this sense of, I am so strong that if I can get through these things, I can get through anything. And there's a lot of freedom that comes with that because there's no reliance on anything or anyone else. Yeah. Positive detachment that that, I love that phrase because uh, there can be a negative detachment where you're Mm -hmm. kind of just zoning out and uh, in a mind numbing kind of space where positive detachment is, sounds more of like uh, making a choice to let go. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's not apathy because apathy is not super helpful. It's more sovereignty. Ooh, sovereignty. Look at that. I have to write that down. I don't know if I've ever (laughs) used sovereignty. Hold on. Mm -hmm. It's too early for Leo Flowers. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's like taking ownership of the decisions that you've made versus like versus feeling like you're at effect as to what's happening to you or you're a victim. It's like I've made these decisions and it resulted in this, although I don't like the outcome. this is the outcome. And so what am I going to do from that point moving forward? Totally. Yes, exactly. Yes. And the ego will always seek things, always seek problems. But for me personally, what helps me is just realizing that I am co-creating my life and my reality. I think of it as like the universe or this universal life force energy that's available to me. And I think what gets damaging is when we just wait for things to happen to us. And there is such thing as divine timing, in my opinion, but we also want to put intention out there. So if we intend, okay, I'm going to create this positive community, I'm going to do my own business, whatever it is, that's like a form of manifestation. And I think intention is beautiful. And what's not beautiful is control. 
you know, they're different in my mind. Control is not beautiful because you can never control someone else. You can never even really control yourself, but intention is good. Um, Intention is like what you set out to do versus controlling. It's like wanting the outcome to be a certain way. And then when it's not, we're so disappointed, hurt and humiliated. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you built it up in your mind. And you associate some kind of pride with the outcome. And if the outcome doesn't happen exactly as you want it to, of course, you're going to be disappointed. And that leads to a lot of damaging things like self-limiting beliefs or maybe jealousy, anger, fear, hatred, very low vibrating emotions. Whereas with intention, you just hold the intention. You you know, this is if everything works out great, it, it could be like this, and that would be beautiful, but you don't have so much attachment to how it actually plays out in reality. When we're setting intentions, is it is it like having one intention and then seeing that through for a year or a couple years, or are we setting an intention for, you know, every hour of our day? Like, what, what does that intention setting look like for you? Yeah, good question. So I don't believe in time (laughs) because things can change very fast. You know, you might wake up tomorrow and decide to leave your job and your whole life changes. So I don't believe in anchoring it to time, which is very different from what they teach you in coaching and in the corporate world, actually. But I think it's more so about making it small enough where you'll actually notice when it happens, not so big that you're setting yourself up for some kind of failure. You know, if I say today, if I'm not on a movie set doing my channeled messages within two months and I give up, that's not super helpful. But if I hold the intention to do channeled messages on a movie set, you know, whenever it's aligned and I'm going to actually put some effort into doing that, then that's beautiful. When we're talking about self-talk earlier, Mm -hmm. um, are there, when we come up with the self-talk, is there a strategy, a method for that, the self-talk that is beneficial for us? You know, because I would imagine that some people might say, all right, I am abundant, I am healthy, I am strong, but Mm -hmm. that might not serve everyone. It sounds positive. But I would imagine it's like food or medicine where, yes, this is good medicine, but it's not effective for you. How do you help people find the the self-talk that they really need? Yeah, well, everyone resonates with something different. So think about it as if I were my own best friend, how would I talk to myself? That's the easiest way to start, because usually our self-talk tends to be negative. We judge ourselves we find things that are wrong. So just think, okay, if I was my best friend, what would I say? And if you don't have a best friend, or if that's not something that resonates with you, you get to create that. So again, we want to be careful about this, but it can be positive to almost separate from yourself a little bit. And imagine that you are coaching yourself, because that brings you a lot more power. So it's almost like being able to take that 10 foot view of your life, not with any judgment, just observing. I like that, that 10 foot view of your life. It's almost like zooming out because sometimes we'd be so zoomed in, we can't see the big picture. It's like being in the shadows all over again. 
Uh, is there a, a way that you start your morning to kind of get in touch with your heart, stomach, and, and yeah. mind, chakra? Yes. So I wake up. I like to exercise in the morning, even before I meditate, because personally, when I'm asleep and I wake up, I'm not here yet. <laughs> I'm not on earth yet. You know, something in me is still in another dimension. So I like to exercise, whether it be running or yoga, walking, one of the three. And then I come back, I meditate, usually about 15, 20 minutes. And when I meditate, I really just try and focus on keeping my mind clear and just feeling the energy in my body. I don't really try and over orchestrate it. It's just that silent time to feel the energy. That's all it is. And then after that, I say my affirmations, I change them. I have like 25 and then I go like one set a day, the second set and the third set. And that's because I personally get bored. So I like to change them up a little bit, but still use the same ones because there's still repetition. And then after that, usually I write my to-do list. So I start my day. I start talking to clients and have a great day every day. I love it. And then how do you ease into your evening? You know, there's so much talk about our morning routines and how to get started. But I, I don't know if enough people are talking about how to land the plane at night because I feel like everybody's work, 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 and then crashing. And I don't know if that's the best way to to end your day with a crash landing. Totally. And this is also super hard if you work remotely because you have less of a separation between work and home. I usually, whenever the day is done, I will close my laptop and I will say, Gabriella, you did your work for today. You did everything you could. Everything else can wait till tomorrow. That's it. I literally like self-coach myself. Like, okay, bookends, like the day is done. And normally I like to see someone at night. You know, I have a lot of friends here in San Diego. So I'll go go on a walk, get dinner, maybe go to a yoga class if I didn't do it in the morning. Something that gets me a little bit more social and active just to be like a true bookend. And then at night, usually I will write my gratitude list. Just like three things I was grateful for that day and then go to sleep. I absolutely love that. Is there any part of your journey or story that we haven't discussed that you think would be of benefit to the listeners? The only other thing I would say is that I believed my entire life that I had to be very logical and analytical. And it led me to do some really cool things like cool research, but I was completely drowning out my intuition my entire life. And the way that it would come up was actually my coaching when I was doing leadership coaching. I would give an observation and the person would say, oh my gosh, how did you know that? It's like you've been sitting with my team. It's like you've been in my mind. And that was actually my intuition. And so now I really encourage people to try and develop their intuition because your intuition is never wrong, but your ego is usually always wrong. And if we can just focus on understanding that, I think our entire life can change. I love it. And then penultimate question, always imagine one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Gabriella? You are a soul. And you came to this life with a purpose and a lesson. And your presence alone is already teaching so many people things that you cannot even see. And it's so important to pause and realize that energy changes every second 
And so the decision that you had one second ago can be changed right now in this second. And I urge you to do that. Change that decision. Stay with us longer. We need you. We love you. And you're meant to be here. And you will know when it is your time to go because your soul will choose that for you, not your ego, not your mind, not your trauma, nothing like that. It's not time yet. Last question. What are you looking forward to in the next 24 hours? Oh, my gosh. I'm seeing two of my great friends. One of them had COVID recently, so I get to see him after a long time, go on a nice walk. And I'm seeing one of my soul sisters tonight. And I'm also hosting a workshop about meeting your spirit animal. It's like a shamanic journey. So I'm really looking forward to that. So a lot of stuff. I love it. I love it. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this is not this podcast is not a substitute for calling the 988 or any of the other 800 numbers that are listed in the show notes. You can chat, talk, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Gabriella. Thank you.